You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Fundamental number one of at least five that I'm going to give you, and I'm on week three of fundamental number one, which is that it is concerning healing, fundamentals for physical healing, and the fact that it is always God's will for us to be healed, always. And we have to get that ingrained in us. And I'm going to tell you part of the reason why. Well, a big part of the reason why is because God wants us to walk and operate in healing and miracles for ourselves and for other people. But it needs to become ingrained in us because everything in, quote, religion, I mean, you won't hardly find any other people. I'm not saying like we're the only ones, but probably around here and probably from a lot of, a lot of miles every which direction, you won't find too many people and too many ministers that will stand up and say, it's always God's will for you to be healed every single time that any kind of thing would ever come at you. And I don't really know why people don't believe that. I think it's just because they've had bad things happen or whatever. I mean, everybody has experienced negative things in their life. And I've said this, I've said it once, I've said it a million times. We can, ne- we can never allow circumstances to determine doctrine, to determine what we believe. Our belief system, our doctrine has to come from the word of God and not from anything else. And let me tell you this, that the, the reason why, partly, this is so important for you personally to get this ingrained is that when you have things come against you, you and I, we have to be able to respond right with the word. Because if we don't learn how to respond right, we don't see God right, we don't respond correctly, oftentimes it will make the difference whether we have the right outcome or the wrong outcome. Because that's how faith works. That's how Jesus set things, set things up. So if our foundation concerning this in particular isn't right, when you get hit with something, and I'm not prophesying negative, I'm just saying it rains on the just and the unjust. Stuff happens because of the life that, we, that, that we're in. And whether you've experienced some kind of uh, catastrophe or accident or, or anything like that and lost people or whatever, or you're battling with something right now, whatever the situation is, we have to keep our spiritual head about us, but we have to have it first. And what, I've, what I find is that people, and this is what I really believe happens, that people at, at some point, almost everybody, when, if they've experienced the love of God on any kind of level, they will come to a conclusion that, you know what, God, God wants me to be blessed. He wants me to have the best stuff because I'm his kid. But then they experience something contrary to that. And then because of the way that they've been taught and because they just don't read their Bibles, people just don't read their Bibles. I mean, honestly, that, that's one of the biggest problems that there is, and I don't want to harp on that, but that's why people don't know much. They just don't read, they just don't read the Bible. And so when something hits they immediately start to blame God. They immediately throw it off and say, God's the big God. He created the world. This is happening in my life. It's his fault. We have to have a better response than that to things in this life. We have to make a clear distinction between what is good and what is evil and the fact that God is good and he's not evil. 
I'll be the first to tell you that I've got plenty of mystery. I do not understand everything, but one thing I'm not confused about is God's goodness. But I just meet a lot of people that are really confused about God's goodness. And they'll have all of this stuff that will take place, and they'll say, God's good, but then in the same breath, they'll say, I guess he just wanted me to have this. It doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't compute, because when I pray, I pray, Abba, Father. I pray from a heart as a son to a father. When I came into the kingdom, I was born into the kingdom. I was born into the family. And I, did, I can't compute with the dad that loves to believe that he would want me to have negative, harmful, rotten things. So then what happens oftentimes when people go, well, then why is it happening? Are you saying it's my fault? I'm not putting the blame on, on everybody and and saying that, you know, it's all your fault directly, but I will say that there's a lot of stuff that we can stop if we just get into cooperation with the Lord. We can live at a higher level because of the covenant that we have with our God. We have a covenant of blessing. It's a covenant that is to bring us blessing in every single area of our life because God is a, he's a good God. Amen. So I want to share this with you concerning, and I've just been really Man, I've just felt, felt it necessary to really hammer this home, the fact that it is always God's will to heal. And if I, th- I don't think that's new to anybody in here, but if it is, you can go back and listen to my last couple teachings on it, and I gave all kinds of scriptural precedent. But let me, let me make another point to really nail this home. Everybody doing all right? Okay, you're, just, you're tuned in, praise God. I want to make another point to really nail this this home, that healing, you'll find this in the Word, and we're going to look at some particular verses here, that healing and forgiveness always go together. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know why that does that every week, but we're going to get a new thing if we have to get it. Praise God, and if it does it anymore, just ignore it. Anyways, and I'll ignore it too. Healing and forgiveness always go together. You find that very consistent through the Word. Now, I want to look at a few verses here. If we can pull up Psalm 103. And we're going to look at verses 2 through 3, Psalm 103, 2 through 3. And I want to look at this here real quick. Look at this. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like when, when Jesus was saying, do this in remembrance of me. And what did he give us? He gave us the cup and he gave us the bread. It was the blood that was shed and it was the body that was broken. The blood was shed for our forgiveness in our redemption, and our justification, the body was broken for no other reason than for our healing, and in particular, for our physical healing. So there you see the blood and the body together speaking about forgiveness, but also for healing for this life here right now. Look at the next verse. It says, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. This is actually ammunition against uh, people that would say things, but certainly against the enemy that would come and say, well, yeah, God's... Because most, most Christians, although I've met some, but most Christians believe that he has forgiven all of their sin, all of their iniquity. But they don't necessarily believe that he's healed all of their diseases. Here's the deal, is that we don't have the right to separate Scripture. We don't have a right to say, I'm going to believe uh, part A, but I'm not going to believe part B. I believe that God has forgiven all of my iniquities, but I refuse to believe that he's healed all my diseases. I'm just, I just don't believe that. I believe that God wants us to be forgiven, 
And that's why he died on the cross for us, and I received his forgiveness. But whether we get healed or not, that's just totally up to God. I tell you what, you can't back that up with Jesus and the disciples. You can't back that theology up with them because they knew what they had been given, and they made a choice to speak directly into the situations and see, see things change. This is just like Peter and John at the Gate Beautiful in Acts chapter 3. And they saw the man that was lame from his mother's womb who had been there begging all of those years. I think he was 38 years old, if I remember, something like that. And uh, they, they were coming by, and they, they were, he was asking for money. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy jumped up and his feet and ankle bones received strength and he went walking and leaping and praising God. You know what they didn't say? And if I, and this is how religious people are. This is how, this is how much goofy stuff we got in our thinking. If I were to say, come up here and I'm going to pray for you. And I say, I'm giving you healing and I'm healing you in Jesus name. People would suck all the air out of the room. <gasps> Blasphemy. Tell that to Peter and John. Because they said, such as I have, I give to you. Now they did it in the name of Jesus. They did it right. They gave Jesus glory. They used his name because that's where the power and the authority comes from. But they weren't confused about where the power and the authority lied. It lied with them. And this is exactly what Jesus did on the earth. Jesus didn't do things just as God. Jesus did them as a man. If he only did them as God and not as a man, it's awesome what he, what he did, but it doesn't help us. I mean, how can you read the stories of what Jesus did and practically apply them to your life in faith if you don't believe that we can operate in the same authority and the same power and have the same things that Jesus walked in? Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. Everything he did as a man or as God, he did as a man on the earth. And the point is, is that God works through people that cooperate with him. Hallelujah. Man, this is the best. I love this. This is so awesome. So what we've done, and talk about posture in yourself, what we have done in our life is that whenever anything comes to us, our immediate response is to take what the word says, declare the word, and begin to speak the word and walk in the word because that's what God's given us. And we never question that he wants us to have it. We know that it's always God's will, 100% all the time. And the Bible tells us, and we just read it right there, there's one of a couple, and I'm going to give you a couple more, that healing and forgiveness, you'll always see them go together. And the point is, and I think the Lord did that intentionally, because it's easy for people to believe that God would forgive sins, because you can't see when a sin is forgiven, but you can see if somebody has a physical manifestation of praying for healing or a miracle or something like that. And I think the Lord put them together just so we wouldn't go, well, I don't know, maybe God didn't want to do it that time. Because that's the tendency of people is when they don't see something exactly just right. This is just like when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, the disciples did the same thing. They said, Lord, look, 24 hours later, Lord, look, the fig tree, it's died. Well, Jesus wasn't he, he, he didn't think that it hadn't died. It just hadn't manifested yet. But the disciples, I guess they saw him spoke to it and nothing happened. And then thought, well, I guess nothing happened. And they were surprised the next day when they came back and they said, Lord, look, 
that fig tree you spoke to, uh, it died. And you know what Jesus' response was? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. (laughs) Man, we have been given so much in this life from the Lord to appropriate, to speak, to release. And just because we don't see things exactly like honestly we should. I've got serious things that I'm believing for with people right now that I cannot give you an answer as to why I haven't seen a manifestation. But I refuse to back up and say, I guess it just isn't something that God wants. I, I can't do that. It's, I, I've made it on such a level in me. I'm so ingrained to say, God, I refuse to blame you for this. I don't understand. I don't know why it happened. I don't, know, I don't understand the details of it. We've prayed. We've spoken. We've prophesied. We believed. We've done everything that we know to do according to your word, and we're, we're still standing and believing. I don't understand, but I refuse to blame you. I refuse to say you don't want me to have it because that would be an indictment against God's character as a father. I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that as his son. I can't. If, if, my, if my kids were to go to you and say that, you know, like I, I beat them with the baseball bat or I beat them with my new golf clubs or, you know, I mean, if they, re- if they did that and said that, you know, or... You know, they, they fell off of a, 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 their bike or fell off the trampoline. And, and then they came to you and said, my dad didn't do anything to help me. He did nothing to help me. I asked him, and he didn't do anything. You, you probably wouldn't believe it. But wh- how do you think that would make me feel? I, I would be broken that my child would think something like that or say something like that about me because they thought that about me. I mean, God is a father. He's a, he's a father first. He's passionately head over heels in love with us. And you say, well, if he really is, why doesn't he just come down and fix this problem? Because things just don't work like that. Right. He has given authority in the earth to man. And you say, well, I spoke and it didn't work. And so I guess it's just really not that simple. No, it is that simple. But we've had so many, honestly, folks, We've had so many years of wrong teaching and wrong training and really goofy doctrine that we don't just take the simplicity of the gospel and just believe it. That's pretty straightforward. But it's the, it's the truth. And you might be saying, man, I, I, I believe what you're saying, but I've still been speaking and believing the word and I still haven't seen things. Well, don't quit. What's the worst thing that happens? You get added into the hall of faith because you died not having received the promise, but you died still believing God? That's what makes somebody a hero of faith. It's not all of the manifestation. It's that you die still believing that God is good. But I can promise you this. You continue to believe right about who God is and believe right about the fact that his word is true and it will never return void. You're going to see some awesome things along the way. Guaranteed. Sometimes I'm amazed. I'll just speak the word and step back and watch the word of God perform something. And I could certainly take no credit for it because it was him. It was his word. It was his spirit on the thing. But we just, we have to get like a bulldog with this thing. When we get in a situation, we don't waver at what God wants. Now, there could be things where you say, Lord, what are you saying here? What, what do I need to do? I need some wisdom here. But when it comes to sickness, there, there's no question about it. There's no question. 
There's lots of things that can be involved in it. People's, people's will are heavily involved. You can't force people to have something that they don't want, that they're not in agreement with. There's all kinds of things that can, that can play into it. But none of, those, none of those things are descriptive of the fact that God is good. He loves us and wants good stuff for us. Let me give you a couple more verses here concerning this. Luke, I'm just going to give you two of many. Of many. Luke chapter uh, 4 and verse 18, if we could pull this up on the screen real quick. Luke 4 and 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives and I think the next verse says in verse 19 to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord I believe is the next thing and so you could you could see that he that that he combines preaching the gospel and healing people healing brokenhearted but also proclaiming liberty to captives so you can see their healing restoration those kind of things combined with forgiveness combined with pe- combined with people receiving the gospel and look here at 1 Peter 2:24 I love this 1 Peter 2:24 it says who himself bore our our what our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Here we see the forgiveness of sins and healing. You say, oh, well, that's just talking about that our, our, our spirits were healed. Well, no, that's a quotation from Isaiah chapter 53 speaking directly about physical healing for our physical bodies. It is, I'll say it a thousand times, it is always God's will for people to be healed. Hallelujah. This is awesome. Look here at Romans chapter 8, and I don't think I gave this to the guys in the back, but Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. Let's go there and look at this real quick. I hope you're getting blessed by this. You know, I've just, I've found it so important to continue to go back and hammer on this personally for my own personal life because you know, the thing is, is that until I started to believe this way, I never saw one person healed. I never saw one miracle. I never saw anything supernatural take place. But as soon as I started to see who God was, his nature, his character, and then take the word, I didn't see everything happen like the word says. But that's not the word's fault. That's my fault. <laughs> Amen. But I started to see some things. And the older I get and the more I minister, the better I am at cooperating with the Lord and his word, the more things that I see. Amen. But look at this here. I love this. In Romans 8, and we're going to go to 31 and 32. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, God is for us. Now listen to this. He who did not spare... His own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also? Everybody say also. Freely. Go ahead and say freely. Give us all things. You know what the, you know what the word all means here in the Greek? It means all. Very good. You guys are smart. So if, it, thank you. If, it really, the Holy Ghost is the true teacher, though. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's saying that if he's given his entire life to us, 
Greater love has no man than he laid down his life. If God's given us everything, why would we ever think that he would spare anything else? It, it just, it doesn't even make, it doesn't make any sense. Makes zero sense. Only religious indoctrination. <laughs> and a lot of times, people being indoctrinated with things, it's not intentional. It's just what that person has been taught that taught them that. And that person has been taught that and so they teach it and so on and so forth. And so it's not to harp on anybody, but things things have to be straightened out. How could we ever believe that God would withhold anything from us? How could, how could we ever believe that? I know I used to believe that on certain levels. I used to think, well, God will give me this or he'll bless me with this, but he may not bless me with this and I just have to, you know, whatever, hopefully he'll do something for me. I it's impossible for me to believe that now. I can't. All of the theological debates go out the window when you get touched by God's love. And now when people, uh, you know, they say things like, you're twisting scriptures to fit uh, your narrative. And it's like, uh, actually, I'm seeing the scriptures through the love of God. And I can't undo what he did in me. By the way, theologically, this is extremely sound. (laughs) And one touch from the Lord will totally ruin your entire life. And then you're, you, become, you become a zealot running around telling people about how good God is. And many of them will still scream, no, he wants you to be sick. No, God wants you to have that. No, he took your mother because he needed, he needed your mom more in heaven than you. All just the crazy stuff that people say that did not come from the spirit of God but came from the spirit of religion. Other spirits operate in this world twisting people's minds, making them believe things that are not right concerning who the Lord is. My kids, if they didn't believe that I was loving, they would be an abs- if I was in a loving dad, they would be an absolute screwed up mess. And we wonder why the church is in such shambles. All you have to do is look at what's happening in our country and realize where the blame falls. Uh, Charles Finney, who was largely responsible for the second great awakening in this country, he said, if America ever ceases to I forget the words he used, like be good or be godly, something like that. He said, the responsibility will fall squarely on the shoulders of the clergy. And I believe that is 100% accurate. The church has virtually at this point, I believe it's changing, but has virtually at this point, little to no, oh Jesus, help me, has little to no influence in the world around us. It's really, really tough for me to see, and bless you online and bless anybody else in here, but I'll I'll just, okay, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I'll close my mouth a little bit, but I'll just say a little. To see all of the stuff that the left is peddling and to see Christians falling into it, I I can't, it's mine, it's my, I can't understand. So instead of us being a counter- Culture, because we're so ingrained in Jesus and in the love of God, people are falling in with all the other stuff. It's prophet, Isaiah prophesied in chapter 5. He said, they will call good evil and evil good. And we have Christians that don't know that abortion is wrong. They do, but they just, 
fall prey to the rest of the world. We have Christians that are confused and say, well, actually, I think that if two men really, really love each other, that, you know, it's, it's okay. You can't, you can't get that from the scriptures. The Bible clearly says that it's an abomination to the Lord. You know, it doesn't bother me that the world thinks that that stuff is right, but it does bother me that the church thinks that it's right. That's the problem that we have right now, and it's because the clergy... The pastors and ministers have not been representing God properly. Let me tell you something about the love of God. The love of God is not only about his blessing, but it's, it's also about his severity. There should be such a, a reverential fear of God that we would be afraid to not, as ministers, as clergy, speaking about me, to not open our mouth and speak the truth concerning times and seasons and things that are going on. I actually have a fear in me that, my God, Lord, somebody in my church could actually believe that homosexuality is okay, that abortion is okay. I actually am concerned, so yes, Lord, I'll open up my mouth. I'll be, I'm willing to speak on those things. And it's not to harp on the people. It's not even to harp on the left. People are just confused and whatever. But somebody has to be a voice of reason in this world, and it has to be the church. It has to be the church. We're the ones that have the connection with them. Let me tell you something about the love of God. The love of God, see, they've hijacked their language, and they'll say, oh, I thought you were loving. I thought you just loved everybody. There's a difference between loving people and not loving what they do. I love my kids, but sometimes they need a spanking because I don't love what it is that they do. It's love to tell people, do it in love, but it's love to tell people, actually, that's not correct. Because you know what? Homosexuality is harmful. It's harmful to people. The trans, how, how is it? I'm stepping back and going, my God, how is it that we have drag queens? And you say, oh, well, they're, they're just, you know, uh, they're, they're wicked people, actually. That's what they are. And they need set free and delivered and saved and healed and all of that stuff. But how is it that we have trans, I don't even know what they call, whatever, men that dress up like women and they exchange body parts. How is it that they're in libraries reading children's books to our children? It's because the Christians haven't done their job. The church hasn't done its job. I don't have another, I don't have another way to say it. And why? Because they haven't represented the Lord properly. Why? Because they haven't understood him. Why? Because preachers don't know the word. Why? Because they just listen to everything else that everybody else says to them. Why? Because that's what they learned in theology school. Why? Because that's what they were taught was the right thing. You know what the right thing is? Get your nose in the book. Get your nose in the word. Find out who God is. Find out what God says. Then you can believe like God. Then you can think like God. Then you can act like God. And when that happens, then the world will start to change. But if we can't be a counterculture and we get sucked into the culture, we're never going to see it be set straight and set right. It'll just stay crooked till Jesus comes. We have a job to do, and the only way we're going to do it is if we see him for who he really is. We have to know him for who he really is. And a God of love is willing to look at situations and say, that's totally wrong and totally destructive. At the expense of people going, you hurt my peelings. Who gives a rip if people don't like what you have to say? And I'm not saying that you have to get excited at them personally like I am right now. This gets me fired up. I'm not saying you have to do that with them personally, but on some level, people have to know and hear the truth. And you'd be surprised at the people that are looking to the church to see how they're going to respond and if they're just going to believe everything else that everybody else believes. 
And when they see the church bowing to culture, bowing to the wickedness that's happening in the world, they look and they think, bunch of weak backbone people who just get swayed and pulled into the rest of the stuff with everybody else. I, I, I just literally cannot even believe. I don't, even, I don't watch the news anymore. I don't even watch faux news anymore. I don't watch Fox News, faux news, F-A-U-X, play on words. I don't even watch, I don't hardly ever watch OAN or Newsmax or anything. I'll turn on the Victory Channel occasionally. That's a pretty good place to get a little bit of news if you got to get it. But the stuff, I just, I shake my head. So then instead of griping and complaining about it, let's come back and say, Lord, help us see you for who you really are. God, help us see you for who you really are so we can properly represent you in the earth. Because it is a God full of blessing and hope and healing and all of that which the world needs, but it's all, he's also a God. I mean, look, when you see, you see Jesus in the new covenant or in the, in the gospels, uh, you see this Jesus that roamed about healing, man, loving people. He, he ate with, uh, uh, with sinners and, and tax collectors and, you know, uh, people that have been, the woman caught in the act of adultery and all that stuff. But then you see Jesus in the book of Revelation and you see this fiery Jesus who came in the midst of the churches and out of, the, out of the seven churches, five of them, he said, I have this against you. And there was all kinds of problems. And honestly, there's lots of different ideas on how you interpret what Jesus was saying to the seven churches. But I think anybody could take those things, any church could take those things and say, I'm going to look at that and I'm going to apply that to, my, to myself and to my church and to my life and to make sure we're lined up with what Jesus says is important. So you see a really loving Jesus in the Gospels and he's still that person but you also find a severe Jesus. And when he came, his, his, uh, his feet, when John saw him in the vision, his feet were, uh, had a, was it bronze or brass? Brass. And brass is a picture of judgment. And I don't believe he's judging the churches unto hell. That's not, that's not it. But he's walking in the midst of them. He knows their works. And I'm going to tell you now, this, this is the reason why. I have an understanding of the fear of God and the severity of God that I can't just give up and give patty cake messages and not talk about the problems that we're facing in our culture. I can't do it because he says to the angel of the church of, to the angel of the church of, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, 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 Philadelphia, Smyrna, all the seven churches. The angel in the Greek is uh, angelos, which means messenger. Who's the messenger to the local churches? It's the, the five-fold minister, the pastor, or whoever it is leading that congregation. He says, I have this against you. I had a, I had a minister tell me one time, he's like, because we're not, we're not established by any denomination. And he's like, uh, he was asking me, I, don't, I didn't even understand that he was asking. It was some denominational kind of question how he asked it. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, who makes sure that you're preaching right? And I was thinking, if you don't have a healthy enough fear of God that you have to have somebody else tell you to preach right, you don't need to be in the pulpit, buddy. Because I can tell you now, in a sense, I'll sweat blood and tears to make sure that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Whether people like it or not, that's always up for debate, but I just want to make sure that God likes it. If he, if he ain't happy with me, 
I mean, he'll always love me as a son, but if he's not happy with what I'm doing, I'll change. I don't want Jesus walking in this church and saying, I have this against you and this against you and this against you. I want Jesus to walk in and say, thank you for hosting my presence. Thank you for preaching the word. Thank you for doing and sticking to the mandate and the call, regardless of what anybody else thinks or says or whatever. Thank you. That's what I want Jesus to say to me. Amen. And you know, all that stuff happens because we have a proper understanding of who he is, of who he is. And it's, it's everybody's personal responsibility to peel back the layers of whatever-ism. Whatever you were taught, whatever you were brought up in, a lot of it's right, a lot of it's wrong, whatever you experienced in the world, whatever, we have to peel, peel back those layers and say, Jesus, you show me. You show me who you are. Thank you for giving me Pastor Kent to speak the truth, but I can't just, I can't have his revelation. I need my own revelation of who you are because I'm a king and I'm a priest, which means I have authority over my own life. And because I'm a priest, I have direct communication with you. I don't, I can't just go through somebody else. I talk to you personally, God. Hallelujah. Man, I'm fired up. We have to stay, we have to stay fired up. We have to, we have to stay like this. Man, look at, look, at the, look at what's happening. And sometimes I, I don't want to be a, a frog in boiling water. That's why I say, look at what's happening. The stuff that's going on around us in the world, it's not of God. And we don't need to be critical, but we need to have answers. And the answer certainly is not getting sucked into everything that everybody else is doing and saying that it's okay. Man, we love those people. It actually really hurts my heart when people say, oh, you Christians, you don't, you don't love. And they think that our acceptance or non-acceptance of what they're doing and saying is okay is saying that we don't love them. And I'm thinking, if you only knew, you only knew all of the prayer meetings that we have, all of the strategic times that we sit and say, Lord, how can we reach these people? How can we minister to them? How can we help them? Lord, how can we minister to their heart? How can we show them Jesus? How can we show them your salvation? If they only knew all the time that we spend doing that, you guys do the same thing. I hope you do. I hope you're praying for the lost. I hope you're believing God and asking him how you can reach them. If they only knew what we did. They would, they would never say, you guys don't love us. But we better make sure that in our communication that they know that we do love them. But it's okay that we don't, it's best and it's right that we don't get sucked into what they believe and just pretend like, oh, that's really okay. No, we have an, we have an entire nation to awaken, a world to awaken, but then it needs to have reformation on the other side of it. We don't need to just have revival and everybody come into the church and, and you know, jump and shout hallelujah and then go back out and not change the rest of the world. Real revival needs, real revival to me is, it looks more like awakening where everything around us gets touched. Everything around us comes alive and doesn't go back to the former state. Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.